podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Explore, listen and immerse yourself with 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 12 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Sinky. John Kennedy took charge of his second game as interim manager this weekend at Tannadice but could only manage a 0-0 draw, Celtic's eighth draw of the league campaign. And despite dominating the game, this finally concedes the Scottish Premiership title. In truth, it's been a long time in coming and we'll cover that and more in greater detail in today's show. Sinky, I'll come to you first. You've now made more appearances than Dewey and Marvin Comper did for Celtic, so big congrats there. What did you think of the result against Dundee United and where that now leaves us? Hey, hi Tina, hi Miff. Pretty much still where we are. It's very, very raw. Like, I mean, the heart all feeling at the moment. It's no nice to concede a title in the manner that it's obviously it's happened. Is, it's hard to take. In terms of the performance today, looking at that starting 11, and I will touch on this, how many players in that starting 11 today will be there come next season? I mean, you've obviously got the lone guys there. You've got the players that have wanted out. During obviously Lennon's tenure It is a ma- And I said this last week It's such a massive rebuild I know you boys said it's not But for me it is Do you know what it really really is I mean you take the alone players out there You take the boys that want away You're even left with a core group of players To be fair you're, you're actually The new man's going to have to come in And not just the spine of the team He's going to have to It's a full rebuild Which is which is massive Absolutely massive Yeah we'll definitely cover that In a lot more detail Further on I can t- tell It's uh, eating away at you Am I thought about yourself What do you think? Hi Tino, hi Sinky. Well, like you said, air of inevitability about it, but we knew it was coming. It's been coming for a long time and it's, it's finally here. It's, it's, it's not great, but what I would say is, seen somebody on Twitter saying this earlier on, how could they feel this for nine years? That's true. <laughs> it's bad enough just feeling it once. How could you do nine minutes? How could you do nine years in a row? <laughs> and then for four of them was one and everything. Jeez, man. Aye, I wouldn't fancy that. So, uh, as thankful as I am for how successful we've been, doesn't make today any any less painful. Aye, painful, call it painful. Yeah, we are where we are. However, unlike Sinky, and I think this is something we'll get we'll, we'll get into a wee bit more. I don't necessarily think the rebuild is is too massive from the point of view of hear me out here, Sinky, making the right appointments. And then I think everything else after that will take care of itself because if you make the right appointments in, in the form of a head coach that's going to organise a team properly and whether that be a sporting director, director of football that is going to rec- recruit a bit more robustly, um, then I think I think we're, we're just back, we're back to kind of where we were rather than where we are at the moment. And where we are at the moment is we're just kind of run-of-the-mill SPL fodder. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, until, I mean, why don't we just crack on with the rebuild chat because I suppose good a time now as any. I think we all agreed, and, and this has become podcast cliche now, but we all agreed at the at the turn of the, the transfer window in the summer how pleased we were at, at what we had on board. Yep. We'd signed a Yeti, yep. signed a £5 million goalie, and when did Celtic ever do that? Uh, we'd signed various guys, we'd held on to El Yunusi on loan, etc, etc. Turnbull had finally come into the building, and we were all so excited, you know, and, and we all seen the images. Check, check out this, we've got cover for every position. And it was all so exciting. What I'll do is I'll bring that now forward to the lineup. Uh, that faced Dundee United and we'll just look at some of the individuals and as you rightfully say Sinky there was three loanies on the park to start that game Laxart left back Kenny right back Moyel Yunus up top Shane Duffy doesn't even feature nowadays and unfortunately that's the way that should remain given how he's performed uh, since he came in so that's the three loanies Scott Brown who you know is your mainstay in midfield he will certainly semi-retire if not fully retire mm-hmm. um, 
Miff touched on it in the match reaction. He still has something to offer. He shouldn't just be cast aside, but he shouldn't be, a, you know, a starter every every game for us. Um, and then, you know, aside from those guys, Ayer will likely move on for money. Edward will also do the same. And Christie, there's a question mark there. So that actually just leaves you with Scott Bain, the guy that saves things with his face. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, Stephen Welsh, who certainly could be one for the future. Callum McGregor, who has looked like a shadow of himself. And David Turnbull, who's a genuine shining light. Miff, what do you think of that? And there's, there's obviously other players, you know, James Forrest is coming back, Julian, well, all, all being well, will come back from injury, but what's your take on where that leaves us in? Well, we're at, we're at March and the, the jury's still out in the signings that have been made. Well, maybe in a lot of cases the jury's not out because they've already made the decision that they're, they're not of the required standard, but you wouldn't necessarily say that of, have you seen enough evidence on Ajeti in terms of a run of games? Could, could I mean, I'm asking you, but what's your, what's your opinion well, you've, you've, on you've got a guy that played, he's hardly kicked a ball all season. He played two games in a row and Lennon said he needed a rest. Ah, yeah, Come yeah. on, do you know what I mean? Like, the guy's, the guy's in and out, he's no, no kicked a ball. He's actually no kicked a ball. I mean, don't get me started with the keeper. Do you know, the, the, yeah. I don't know who's watched him. I actually don't know who's went over to Greece and watched this guy. Because uh, yeah. Scott Bain, Scott, I'm not being funny here, but Scott Bain was the first choice goalkeeper Celtic for choice, yeah, no right? doubt about it. And now, 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 he's the, now he's the number one, yeah, yeah. We've spoken about that before behind you know Foster and Craig Gordon at the time, and he was a suitable second or third choice. Bring him in for League Cup games if you want, but now he's he's the man. And I agree, Sinky. I think you know, between Barkas and Ayeti, that's 10 million down the grid. I'm not seeing that money again, and you might recoup some of it, but I think you just need to cut your losses sometime and agree that a move hasn't worked out. Then you look at that and see, is there enough depth in the attacking options? Because Mikey Johnson seems to have disappeared without Trace again. Mm -hmm. Interesting that he's not featuring at all under Kennedy when Lennon seemed to at least have him in the fringes. Um, you know, Forrest just back for a long-term injury, so it may take until next season, you know, getting a pre-season under his belt and then into next season before we see the best of him. Understandable, I think the fans will just be happy to see him. Well, most fans will be. I know we have some <coughs> who uh, aren't always too keen on him. And uh, then Edward, who we assume is off, so you're down to Griffiths and Ajeti for the, for the you know... Kamala? Oh, I never even mentioned Kamala, jeez, I... Paddy? PK? When, again, I, I say with Kamala, and I think I said this on the previous podcast, he's someone I would like to see being loaned out in the SPL for six months yeah. and see him get a run of games because I do think he would greatly benefit from that and he would get a chance to show why, why we've signed him in the first place. Not a great statement when you're paying £3.5 pounds for somebody and then needing to loan them out to see if they're going to get into the team. Really, they should be arriving first team ready. Hopefully, whilst there's still room for a project sign here and there, hopefully, whatever the, the, the plan is for, you know, sporting director, director of football, head coach, manager, whatever the hell you want to call them, I've been saying this for as long as I've been following Celtic, dating back to Anil and Stratton being manager. We were only ever three or four first team ready players away from being a right good team. Now what we need is those three or four first team ready players to come in just to augment and supplement what's already there so that we don't fall too far back the way. And when you mentioned there the fact that you would still have the likes of Forrest, Julian, Mikey Johnston, Welsh, in and around the, the squad. Sorrow you know, Turnbull. Sorrow Turnbull. That's decent. If we kept Christian Iyer, I'd, I'd be really, really happy about that as well. Mm -hmm. McGregor, you know, you wonder where he sees his future as well. You know, that, that's potentially another, another player that could move on. A reinvigorated McGregor driving for the midfield would be something I would welcome. So, we've not mentioned Rogic either. You know, Rogic has been in now. He's been doing the hokey-cokey all, all season. You know, he's been, he's been in for three games. He's been out for three games. You know, yourself, even if you've played at any sort of level of football, any sort of level, if you don't know what's coming next, it's hard to prepare yourself. And and I think that's part, partly what the issue has been for the players. The management of the squad seems to have been, we'll keep trying the same thing for a wee while, but then change, try the same thing again with different players. And it's just, you know, whatever... Whatever's meant to be happening just isn't happening. Now, in terms of the performance against Dundee United, 
for an hour, maybe even longer, genuine, genuinely clear-cut chances being created, which hasn't always been the case this season. So if Kennedy's making wee tweaks and these players are showing themselves that they're, they're hungry and they're, you know, they want to stay at Celtic, then that's, that's a great thing. But the most important thing, the most important thing of all are, are these next appointments. Getting them right mm-hmm. and everything else should take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, yeah, to defend the players, and it's not something, you know, I would always be doing, you know, given the season we've had, but that chopping and changing and, and in and out and we spoke earlier about um, Edward and his partner up top changes every week sometimes it'll be Christie sometimes El Yunusi sometimes he's on his own sometimes with Griffiths sometimes even Kamala. Big Tam even Big Tam's played up there Rogic yeah so I mean so how can it's hard you know you talk about central defenders and, and it's only you know it gets easier when they've got a, a consistent pairing the only thing that Celtic have been consistent about has been consistently inconsistent. Does that make any sense? It does, but I, think, I, I honestly right, don't believe that Lennon knew his strongest 11. Over a full season, even before that, obviously when he took over, I, I don't believe, it was, I don't know if it was an old pals actor, he was bringing people in with the COVID stuff and trying to get fitness, but that, that was so, he done, he done it at Hibs as well. I mean, the Hibs fans' frustration with Lennon when Lennon was in charge of Hibs, like, he was chopping and changing all the time. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's nothing settled. I mean, I, I get that. I, I, I hate that term, though, the old pals act, the managers, right? You're my mate. Aye. See if I manager for Celtic, you're not getting a game. I don't know. Right? <laughs> the whole thing about, you know, he favours Brown and he favours different guys. You favour guys you can trust and the guys that you've seen in the trenches and that you know can do something. So you could accuse a manager of being too loyal to guys that have maybe, you know, maybe Brown, you know, we've seen the best of Scott Brown and maybe Neil Lennon has struggled to get his head away from that. But he's not playing it because he likes Brown as a guy, because that's just not how it operates. And if that's, you know, how you succeed and fail, then you're not going to last very long if that's the kind of calls you make. So I don't think it's an old pals act, but I do think Neil Lennon and a lot of managers, we'll, we'll see it a lot across the board, can be accused of being too loyal to some of the guys that, that have maybe done some good things in the past and it's come back to bite them. Another comment on, on Twitter, which I read today, unfortunately I can't remember who by, so I can't credit them, is that Alex Ferguson was so successful because it wasn't sentimental. Yeah. And to me, the sentimentality came from the board and allowing Lennon to stay so that he could win his treble. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how that felt and looked to, to all of us, to the point where those asking for, for change were said, oh, you're just being hysterical. You know, you've been used to winning. Now you're maybe not winning all the time and you're, you've been a bit spoiled. And I, I, I don't think anything could have been further for the truth because I think what the fans could see was just that dropping of the standard to the point where um, a press conference in, in Germany, Frimpon was asked a question about the, the current situation at Celtic and to paraphrase, um, he was saying, well, it was always going to be the case. Celtic were going to get beat sooner rather than later and mm-hmm. that, that's quite alarming to me because Frimpong wouldn't say that if that wasn't the mindset in the dressing room I, I, and, want, I wonder and, about and I, I think that's kind of what Lennon's been, been hitting them with is, is, is maybe that sort of well lads you know we've done really well but hey ho we've, we've, I, I don't buy that I, I don't think Neil Lennon's given them any sort of get out and you know I don't think he's at one point or any point said listen you win some you lose some I don't think that's so, so John Kennedy spoke during the week about the three managers he's worked closely with today, Ronnie Dyla, Brendan Rodgers, Neil Lennon. And aside from what he said about Dyla and Rodgers, and all very positive, when asked about Neil Lennon's strength, he said two things, his man management and getting the Celtic story across to people and how important Celtic are and, and what it means to so many people. And Neil Lennon is, you know, wholeheartedly committed to Celtic. It's not worked out and he moves on. But I don't think at any point, whether it be Frimpong or other guys, I don't think they could accuse Neil Lennon of not stressing how important this season was. And I think it's important in this day and age not to get too short-sighted in terms of what one player would say, because Jeremy Frimpong is one guy, he's now moved on, and good luck to him, and I hope he does well in Germany and beyond, who's been asked a question, and he's given what is an honest answer for him. 
you know, coming from, uh, well, Man City as a youth and stuff, he doesn't really care about Celtic. I'm sure he gave his all for the cause, but he moved on and now he gives his all for Bayer Leverkusen. And I think it's important not to get too caught up in the words that one guy says, because you could then interview Chris Iyer if he moves on next year when he's playing for AC Milan, and he'll say, we all knew how important it was, we just fell short. I think we've got to be careful just with, with taking those short comments uh, and just amplifying them and making that, you know, the, the word I of get, addressing them. No, I get you, but touching your point, I mean, there's only so far man management and the Celtic story can get you. Like, that, yeah. that, that standing up in the dressing room and giving that motivational speech before you get in the park is, is fair, fair and good enough. But in terms of, you need some substance about you. So you need actually some substance about tactics the right coaching, etc, etc. And Lennon, didn't he, Lennon for me, and you said you touched on this a little week, you know, he's a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to the modern game. I mean, he's been involved in dressing rooms with your Suttons and Hartsons and stuff like that. That The, the game has changed. I mean, we're, we're involved in football. It's no the same. That that drive and motivation now has completely changed in the modern day football. They, it's all about social media, money, etc, etc. We, we can talk about that all day, but to be honest with you, like, there's only so far that will take you in management. You can stand up, rally the troops. How many times can you rally the troops? And then when things start to, to die a death and fade, that, that doesn't get you anywhere because there's nothing to work with. There's actually zero to go on because there's only so far you can actually say, right, come on, boys, let's step up a wee bit here. It's no, it doesn't work like that. And, and I think as well that that was becoming apparent from what we were seeing on the park with the lack of structure around the team. That, that I think that kind of ties in with the whole being almost completely reliant on man management skills rather than any technical aspect. If you take a step back and you say to yourself, right, okay, take Celtic out of the equation and just look at Neil Lennon, the manager. If Neil Lennon was going for a job with another side, who would employ him? And I'll tell you something, you'll be lucky if he made championship level. Got his championship level. Well, take, take that as whatever yeah, you want. I agree. This is the reality of who we entrusted in, in the job. And I'm not, maybe I am, using hindsight here and saying, oh, well, you know, you weren't saying that at the time. But like I've, I've said before, I was gutted when he got the job and, and, and the way it was announced after the treble treble. We're on record always saying that. And I think most Celtic fans were of the same mind because we thought we were getting somebody bigger. And that that's why, because that's Neil Lennon's level. The only reason he got the Celtic job was because of his previous connections with Celtic rather than the level that he was operating at as a manager at that time. Yeah. And what we are seeing now is a team that's been managed away from the Rogers era by Lennon over a period of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's been left on Kennedy to try and instill a wee bit of structure. No doubt the players care for Lennon. I don't think they have deliberately thrown him under a bus. And, and you know what? It might be that in time, stories come out of what Lennon's been having to work with and he's been a convenient human shield for the board and they've left him in situ to take the bullets, to take the flak on the proviso that, well, you're Neil Lennon, the club legend, so we can let you do that. The fans will give you a wee bit more time. The unfortunate thing is the fans could see what was happening and were scheming for change before it was too late and unfortunately, the board have waited you've, until you've, it's too you've, late. You've got guys been brought in after Rogers, right, to steady the ship and get, get, his, get his foot at the end of the season. And it's pretty much a stopgap. It's an, it was a stopgap who... And man management, uh, you know, the fire and brimstone and the hairs in the back of your neck, that, that's fine for a stopgap to get you over 10, 12, whatever games. It's not fine long term, is no, it? No, there's no plan, you know. There's no, there's no plan there. It's just like, you know, it's like an addressing room. You can get the guys up for it, get the boys up for it. It's only so far that can take you. There needs to be substance. There needs to be like the coaching. There needs to be the tactics and all that kind of stuff. And I, 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 we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it's pretty evident on the part. There's no a lot of coaching like you know in, in certain set, top of set plays and stuff like you, you can see that the guys aren't 
getting the same level of tactical awareness, coaching, etc., etc. It, it seems like it's, it's nowhere near as detailed nah. and precise and, and instructive as it was under Rodgers. And you're right, Matthew, you know, if you hire the ex-Bolton and Hibs manager, you get what we got. Aye. That's the thing. If he wasn't near Lennon, if, if he was Joe Bloggs, ex-Hibs, ex-Bolton, you would never go anywhere near him. But to the point about sentimentality and, and Alex Ferguson and not going anywhere near that, we did go near that. We appointed him him on sentimentality and we kept him for far, far longer than, than we should have for the same emotional reasons. And and that's why we've landed where we have. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that this is where we now find ourselves. And that's what's, you know, whether you're right, thinking about the size of the rebuild or if it's, you know, if it's maybe not quite as daunting as we feel. The bottom line is we're now behind the curve all of a sudden and with it being March, we know how quickly European qualifiers come up. We know how important they are for A, the fan base, you know, to get back on side, but also the financial aspect of European football and we're well behind in terms of prepping for that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, we've spoken often about Steve Clark, you know, if he comes in, very little time for him to work with. But actually, even if they confirm somebody today, I mean, today, tonight, it's still, a, you know, a lot of work to do. But it's a Celtic way, you know, like every single year, right? Last minute signings, there's no, like, I wouldn't say urgency, but we usually have, like, from May to July to get our house in order, and it never happens. Mm -hmm. What happens is we go to these qualifiers, we'll fall, we'll fall, we'll fall at a hurdle, then we'll see one of our best players to compensate for the loss of finances. It's the same story every single the, year. The, the every every year. Interestingly enough, me and a good friend of mine, um, we used to commute to work together over a number of years and he always made the great point, I think I have raised it previously in the podcast, he was always of the school of thought, right, Celtic operate in a, a different market than, than the other major European clubs. They don't go out and they don't spend big. What Celtic should do is actually do the majority of their business in the January in preparation for the June slash July qualifiers. Because that's when it's almost like your season's split into two. You need to be ready for that. You need to actually be absolutely ready to go for that. And then, obviously, deal with the domestic stuff later on in the season. Now, Celtic rarely seem to have that sort of foresight. And, and to be honest, even when Rodgers was... I mean, Rodgers did manage to get us into the Champions League gambling with centre-half pairings. You know, centre-halves were out injured. Colotori. And, you know, we, 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 we did make it a couple of times when we had absolutely gambled on getting through the qualifiers and then went and spent the money. It would just be refreshing if we would just one year just go and plan and prepare for the season yeah. before the qualifiers, but, you, but we never ever do it. You make a good point. Gambling, right? Celtic are gamblers, right? We gamble we, for every for every Winyama, right? There's 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 a there's an unknown dud, right? Like Kwasi, Jesus, Kwasi, people like that. But we're we're gamblers, and I know that's the model of the club. But we take a we take a gamble on such a so Slovakian league. We talked about Slovenian league and all that kind of stuff. Israeli league, right? Um, for me, like there comes a point where okay, one in one in ten, you're Virgil Van Dijk, you're Winyamas and stuff. There becomes a point that business model it's no working now. Yeah. You're right, you talk about gambling, but there's also, you can take calculated risk, uh, right? So gambling doesn't need to be, we'll just stick it all in the mix and we'll see what happens, which sometimes is what it feels like at Celtic, because yeah, we'll sign 15 guys and two of them will go to the premiership yep. for big bucks and that's been a great result. But why not, you know, speculate to accumulate and all that? If you know that the prize for Champions League qualification is circa 30, 35 million, if you, if you know you're maybe a goalie, a centre-half and a striker short, could you spend, I don't know, Half of that money, yep. 12, 15 million on getting proven quality in the building and then, you know, making that step up. Somebody would rightfully point back at me and say, well, we spent 5 million on Barkas and 5 million on IAA and we still failed. But that point's deeper rooted, I think, into the scouting yeah, system. And, and also, whilst Barkas on paper looked look, like it worked, 5 million on his yet was a big outlay based on what he'd achieved at West Ham, which was absolutely no, 
So, you know, the other way is looking at it is if you'd spent an extra one and a half million, you get Ivan Tony, who has since went on to become top yeah. scorer in the championship. Now, again, I appreciate League One is where he'd kind of done his business before that with Peterborough. However, if you've scouted him, seen him playing regularly, you, you would have been comfortable enough to have known that the chances of him doing well in the you think about Gary Hooper Gary Hooper's came for you at Scunthorpe do you know what I mean I love a Hooper mention no no that's that's cheered me up that's cheered me up do you know what I mean but seriously that like that is I'm not going to say it's the level but there's 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 a there's that there's James there to find and I think what's happened is we've maybe tried to be a wee bit too clever this year when if, if we'd just done you know the, the basics the, the funny thing is we, we get the small signings wrong and the big ones so we signed the, we've signed the wrong projects and I'm going to put Kamala right in that bracket because for me he's Muff, not good enough you alright Muff? yeah so we'll, <laughs> we've signed a project there which is failing and I think will fail we've gone the opposite way we've spent proper money albeit only you know one and a half million three and a half million on a project a lot of money but then we've gone and spent five million on what should have been inverted commas proven talent and guys like a Yeti and Barkas. But it just shows you at all ends of the market where we're operating, we're getting it wrong. And whether that falls, it's, it's obviously Plus, so unclear. I know, Plus, add Duffy into that. I know, but you, you look you look at these CVs, right? You, they, mm-hmm. Beside the players, you get excited. You've got an international, and I know Roy Keane t- talked about this other week with Jamie Redknapp, talked yeah. about you can trap a bomb at international. But you, you say <laughs> a great international keep you into yourself. This boy's got to be, have something about him. You, you would think so. And, and sometimes, don't get me wrong, sometimes you can just you can sign the right player at the wrong time or for the wrong club. And it's a weird time in life at the moment, and I get that. But it just seems that they've not worked out. But you know what? We're giving Celtic a lot of um, excuses by saying, you know, p- pandemic and all that stuff. That's just not worked out. You can go back for years. Oh, there was no pandemic 10 no, years ago. They're signing these guys. So there's, you know, there's always excuses. And I think. What the problem is, it's very unclear whether Nick Hammond has a final say on these guys or whether it's been Neil, uh, Neil Lennon or Peter Lowell. Who's making the call on these? Because for different reasons, Ayeti's not worked out, Barkas has not worked out, Duffy, Clamalla, uh, And they're four high-profile ones in such an important season. So, you know, where does the buck stop and who takes responsibility? And we shouldn't forget, um, even going back to last season, El Hamid as well. Oh, that has been an unmitigated disaster. Got ball and goalie, who was the Kieran Tierney replacement he's, as well. Hey, he's still our player, he can come back. Him and Jack you know, Henry can form the cornerstone but, of the defence for next year. Build a team, build a team around about that. Build a team around Jack Henry and ball and goalie. With Shved running down the wing. <laughs> You'd be better off with Stephen Henry. He's made a comeback as well. Aye, aye, aye. If he can come back, Jack Henry can come back. That's it. But I, oh. honestly, Tino, like, I tell you what, I know about Stephen. He's got that jambo written right to him, hasn't he? You can see him, see him on oh, that big jambo coat me has. No, but see, the, the interesting thing is, right, so you, you talk about Henry, and it's amazing how just by simply not being there, Bio would probably come into this as well. Bio, there's another one to chuck oh, into the mix, Big Bio. By the way, just, just very quickly, so that I'm not, you know, I know we're already starting greeting in that, right? But <laughs> who, who's been the, the worst project? See, for me, you won't beat Big Mo Bangura. Oh, oh Because, ah. no, why? Because he actually get played. Ah, and and like, you're sitting watching him going, no. What about, no, a, no, what about no. AFB? You know what I'm talking about? Amido. Amido Baldi. Amido. Big Amido Baldi. Uh, Amido, Amido great, scored great, a couple of good great, goals. Great tune, great song. Loved, terrible, loved, loved the tune. Terrible, but he scored a couple of good goals. He was a poor player. Scored against Liverpool, didn't he? He scored a couple of good goals, but Bangura. Oh. I, I, I was sitting, I was sitting in, I think again, I might have told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. I was sitting in the main stand and the ball played to him up the line and it literally just 
Oh, he's shinning. Uh, he really took me no, out sitting in the I'm like, oh, uh, big man, come on. Going <laughs> back to that point, I, mean, I was thinking about this last night. Like, you go back to the Barcelona Celtic. Like, obviously, this is one of Lennon's finest moments as Celtic man. Go back to that Barcelona game. Do you remember who started up top? Miku. 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 Hi, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and remember Lassad as well? Yeah. You guys like that, like Mick like, Lassad was, wasn't the worst. Oh, come on, Math, my young. I was the worst. But the, the thing is, see, when you start to hear all these names, Mikus, Lassads, uh, you know, Amido Baldi's, Mo Banguras, there's some absolute shockers in there. And if, if we're going to be serious for at least a minute, you need to look at the fact that somebody has sanctioned the spending of millions in fees and wages over the years. And sometimes there's guys that have signed them we've never seen, but we've had to pay them for three years as well. It's a ludicrous waste of money. I know, but you talk about letting me a stopgap. Was, was Nicky Hammond on a stopgap as well? Was he known on a secondment? Do you know what I mean? He, 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 he came in on work experience aye, and he kept on. Aye, aye, kept, they kept, they kept, oh, you've done it. You've, you've, yeah, you've turned up for your work. Here's a, here's a job for the next year. I think what, what modern football shows you is, is you need links with the, the powerful clubs in order to maybe try and get either loan players or players on the fringes into your teams that, you know where you're offering them first team football for, for resale and back into the English Premier League ultimately that's what the business model has to be and if you look at your Van Dykes your Wanyam it's even Foster's first time around Gary Hooper that, that worked for Hooper as well um, we, we have shown that we can do that we can develop players in Fr- Frimpong more recently would be another example of that Edward Tierney you know they'll all go on but where we are right now is a, is a bit different than where we've been previously, where we've had that that kind of core squad, as you mentioned, you know, guys that were part of that squad, the likes of Lustig, Simunovic, Boyata, even now possibly Brown, you know, they've all kind of moved on. We, we, need, we need to now create that core again. Mm-hmm. So you need to bring in players that are first team ready, that are ready to come in yep. and just be in the team for the first game of next season, not take 10 games to settle in and adjust yeah, and do that it, it, it takes time to build a core you need, you need to be I mean it's experience and tenure and stuff well, like that I, I think I get that as a point but I think if you look at Martin O'Neill when he came in and I know we're looking back 20 odd years now but he came in and the first thing he done was created that spine I know we've spoken about this uh, repeatedly here but build that spine get a decent goalie centre half centre mid and striker the rest can come in after time you know and that I doesn't that doesn't take too much time if you make the right Aye. and astute side and that's, that's the point Aye. I'm trying to make make, make the you know, the, it's so critical because, like Sinky said, if you don't get this right and we have another summer transfer window that we had last summer, then we are miles away. I, I think I think there's a chance to resolve this so, so cur- that, current no, pain I, I do. quite quickly. I do, I do. There, there, there is. You get back, get back to. I know we're talking to it. You go back to when you team. Did did you did you have a decent keeper? Like, you never. That's that's why well, we, we lost Seville because we didn't have a proper keeper in my opinion. And yeah, he struggled with Sanchez Broto. Looked like he might have been it, and he left for he big bucks yeah. elsewhere. Rab Douglas, obviously, with Jonathan Gold there at the start of his term. Mm. I'm harking back. Johnny Gold, but we didn't have a solid number one. And it shows you how important as we've seen I, almost single handedly some crackers in my lifetime. <laughs> goalkeepers, big Marshall man used to need to go. Off. Yeah, I'm honestly big Marshall. Rab Douglas was, wasn't it that bad, but he made he made some Tino and Lisbeth. I don't think Rab Douglas was that bad. <laughs> Tony Warner, for years that Rangers always had good keepers. For me, go back to this Fraser Foster. Like we, we can talk about ifs and buts. He didn't want to be there. He, no, he didn't. He didn't want. He didn't want to be at Celtic. I'll he give you. I'll go. give you ninety thousand good reasons why. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. That's how it goes. Now he's kicking a ball as well. So. Yeah. Uh, the proof is in the pudding but I, it's just like you're right you're right what you're saying that core element who do you so let's let, let's look at the positives right mm-hmm. we'll come back to that where, where are they <laughs> we'll, we'll try and find some right um, that team right t- t- today's team 
who do you build a team around, right? So like, I know there's players going to go. For me, I think I think you can build it around David Turnbull. Yep. I think Soro can be a mainstay, and I think old old Callum McGregor, as in the mm. former Callum McGregor, can certainly be something. And James Forrest as well. There's a there's a there's a, a bunch of players there that can be good. But yeah, what you definitely don't have just now is a good goalie. Can we get David Marshall in the summer? I've seen his name come back up again. For example, you know, a, a keeper, a keeper is so important, right? See, mm-hmm. if, see if you're a see if you've, we've all played football, right? If you've got a good keeper behind you, right, or you've got a, the other side of the coin, if you've got a crap keeper behind you, you just lose all sort of confidence. You don't mm-hmm. have like a corner. You're like, oh no, like Ed, 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 do it when the keeper's involved. You're like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? Yeah. So that for me is one of the most key positions in a, a, a goalkeeper can win your leagues. Do you know what I mean? For, yeah. You look at Foster last year with the League Cup final. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He won, he won us that cup. A keeper is so, so important. That's your spine. That is the main stalwart of your team. I've said it here that that is the, should be the number one target. Get get the goalie right and everything else can follow from there. But as you say, it doesn't matter if the 10 guys out in front of him are, are fantastic players. If he's all, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link and all that stuff. And the goalie is so crucial in that. Because regardless who you're playing against, Celtic will dominate most games they play in, at least domestically. But every team, Dundee United or, or Motherwell, whoever you play against, you're going to have certain spells in the game where someone's going to put a bit of pressure on you. And if your goalie is weak, you're going to start drawing games that you should be winning and even losing games you should be winning. So if you get the goalie thing right, first and foremost, then it gives you a real good foundation to build from. 100%. Going back to like the dressing room and stuff, like that, your, your Forrest, your Browns, McGregor, who so have been there for, for years. It must, I mean, obviously we're hurting today, right? But it must be these guys must be absolutely hurting majorly because they've they've been there and see them. They're, they're bringing they're, you're bringing in guys. You've got you've got boys in the dressing room that want to leave, right? You're sitting you're sitting with guys that want want away, right? In your dressing room, and you've got guys that come in that couldn't give whatever, right? It must be for the likes of your Browns and stuff. It must be heartbreaking. It must well, be heartbreaking to see know, that. Saying that, listening to you say that, Sinky's made me think it must be then hard for them to motivate themselves. Bizarrely, as opposed to thinking, all right, well, come on, you need to come out, we need to stop them, and they must just be so utterly deflated by how the seasons went that they just can't bring themselves to. It's almost like they just want this season to be over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's the guys you mentioned. I think it's Brown, McGregor, Forrest. Maybe throw Rogic in there, given the time he's been at the club. These are the guys that have been here and been hearing about, you know, all the, you know, all all been gearing towards this season, and it's just fallen so short of what we'd expect. Uh, you're bringing you're bringing guys in as well, and you're. Give us something, give it, give us something, and there's just, there's just no there. It's, you're, you're looking about. I mean, in a, you, you look about to your, to your mate in the dressing room. You think to yourself, all right, okay, he's, he's, he's got something about him. He's, he cares, right? I, honestly, I know this is, I, I'm hurting. Today's maybe not a good day for to say this, but I don't think they've got that. Like, do you think they just don't care? I don't. know. That's, that's harsh. It's a harsh thing to say. They don't care. But you look at the performances on the park. Do they care? Do they honestly? Do they, do they feel? I mean, obviously, there's no fans and stuff. Do they feel what we are going through the day? Apart from that core we've mentioned, Brown Forest, etc., etc. I, I think for some, they probably care too much. Mm. For others, maybe not enough. Who those individuals are, though, we probably won't know until some years later. Very hard to tell. I, I would guess that Ayer really does care, despite the fact that he's not from these. I, I, I genuinely think you can absolve him. Him and Turnbull can be absolved from any yeah. post mortem on the basis of. They have done the business on the park. And these are non-Celtic guys. You don't need to be Celtic died in the will to play well and, and, and raise your game. I would argue, much as we all love him at the best of times, Edward at times. I know it's, you know, I've said it before, it's just his style and all that stuff, but sometimes he just does not give enough for the cause. I know, but, but talking about that as well, I mean, you've got guys talking about fitness levels, right? You've, you've seen guys that can't get fit. You've got Lee Griffiths that can't get fit. You've played with these guys for years. I mean, 
you, you will you start to ask questions like what, what's going on with you? Do you know what I mean? What what is actually going on that you can't get yourself fit enough to play or start a game when you've got obviously quality in there? It's just for me there's the, the bare the bare minimum is to be fit and available for selection. That's it. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be anywhere near it. No. Nah. No, I know, and you know, we actually talk about fitness and modern day fit, but these guys should be absolute machines. There should be no like, there should be no grey area with that. They should be absolutely on it. Like, the, all they, what, what do they do? That that is their job to be fit and and that's be, what you're paid for. Being good at football is obviously an advantage, right? Because you're playing football. But that fitness thing, that that shouldn't even be in the question. That shouldn't. That yeah. should just be a part of your job. An absolute given. Yep. Okay, what we'll do, uh, we'll try and steer things back to the agenda, which we might as well have ripped up because we've gone <laughs> way off course. I want to spend a wee bit of time on John Kennedy. So, uh, as as you lads know, and a lot of the listeners will know, we, we were lucky enough to be invited along to a fan media event on Friday, set up by the club. Got a chance to put our questions to David Turnbull and to John Kennedy. Uh, tweeted out about it at the time and we released the audio for it uh, on Saturday morning. I was very, very impressed by what John, Con- John Kennedy said. Now, I need to count that as well by saying... I'm not a cheerleader for John Kennedy. I, I think it's probably, probably not the right fit to, to appoint him. He might be the right guy, potentially at the wrong time in Celtic's history. But I do believe he's a very talented guy, a very knowledgeable guy, a very passionate Celtic guy as well. He cares a lot, cares deeply about the club. Um, but what did you think about some of the comments that came out on the back of uh, of his uh, you know, opinions at the fan event on Friday? Well, I thought he handled it really well. I mean, the, look, your question, but I'll go from under you my mate, but your, your question was a, a beezer, as we call it. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, son, like, he, he did, he, he spoke really well, right? And I, and I know, I, I know, I, I was, no, I was disrespectful last week. I mean, I, I'm, I'm worried about him doing too well and getting the job, getting the job, right? I, I, I think, though, that, that's no, that's it's not going to happen. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Do you know something like John Kennedy is, he's a good speaker, he's, but see, honestly, Tino, see, see, like a couple of things, like his demeanour and his body language, when he was, when he was well, we were learning. I see him like to have a part in the team, right? But for me, he's a Brian kid. He's a Brian kid, like he's a he's, yeah. a, he's a backroom guy, and then when he steps out of the spot, he's just. And, and some guys make their living and very well as you know, as backroom guys, and you know, Fergie had a lot of really good ones alongside him. Kid being one of them, and then yeah, he went out on his own at Blackburn and, and seriously no, failed. Tommy Craig is a recent example I can think of. He was Billy. He was number two for so long. St Marin failed. Uh, but I don't know. I think John Kennedy, whether it be at Celtic or elsewhere, has something to offer as a manager in his own right. Um, but yeah, you know, timing is everything in football, and I'm just not. I'm just not sure the fans would accept. Uh, you know, such an appointment at this time. No, I don't think they'd accept it. Although what I will say is the way that Kennedy carries himself and the way that he speaks about the game and how he wants the team to play and what reference and stuff like structure. He was very Rodgers-esque, I thought. He's a disciple of Brendan Rodgers, 100%. That's, that's, that was the main takeaway I had from listening to the press conference. Um, I thought he has obviously modelled himself on Rodgers. It's not a bad model to, ha- yeah. to have. When, when don't John... expect him to leave us halfway through the season. <laughs> I don't, I don't. So, so when John Kennedy was asked specifically about the three guys that he's worked with, you know, closely at Celtic, Dyla, Rodgers, Lennon, he spoke in glowing terms about all three and the different skill sets that they have to offer. How could but, you not love Ronnie? <laughs> he's such a likeable guy. Uh, but he absolutely laboured on the Brendan Rodgers thing and spoke, you know, for several minutes about what he brought to the game, the, how he got everyone on board with, you know, the, the collective uh, approach and how we were doing things and his man management skills and his attention to detail. All the things that you would expect to hear of a Brendan Rodgers and it's clear that that's had such a, a, an impact uh, on John Kennedy himself. He mentioned a couple of things which really stood out for me. You know, he, he, he repeated that everything that he and his team are now currently doing at the club is collective. There's no blaming guys for 
individual errors or set piece goals or, or not missing chances. It's the group as a whole that, that you know succeeds and fails, and I think that should be the way. And to be fair to them, in the, the Dundee United game, they all missed chances. <laughs> they did, they're, they're sharing the burden there. Uh, he also talked about something which I, it really struck a chord with me. He talked about um, guided discovery. And what he meant by that is basically you can push a player so much towards something, but it's up to the player for the penalty to drop. So you can steer him in a direction, but it's up to the guy to pick that up or not. You can take a horse to the water. Oh, here we go. For example. Your question was about like motivation and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he answered the question really well. And how do you, how do you get your players up for it? Obviously, it's, it's not really happened against Dundee United. Well, well, I disagree. I thought the players were up for it and I thought they created loads of chances, but ultimately they, they fell short in the end up. But actually, as, as a mentioned in the, the post-match, his job is to set up a team that creates chances and they did do that and they did look motivated and actually on that note they looked really really deflated at the final whistle, now I know that's an obvious thing because ultimately it's the game that's lost the league but they looked like they'd given a lot to that game against Dundee United and like so much of this season they fell short but it looked like they'd prepped well, done all the right things, had a good solid week training with John Kennedy and it just wasn't enough and it just puts a line under you know the season we've had doesn't it? Yes and I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that we are absolutely rotten and in, in Rangers are the Harlem Globetrotters of Scottish football. I think certain circumstances have conspired against us and went in favour of Rangers. However, what I will say is the the Rangers have reached levels of consistency which they've not been capable of in previous seasons. So yeah. you, you have to acknowledge that regardless of how upset or uh, angry you may feel. You have you have to acknowledge that. And we you mentioned the start previously, Timo, we have drawn eight games yeah. this season. Of thirty two. Rip everything else up. That's where that's where the the blame. Say what you want. We're finishing in a two horse race, right? And we're sitting here. We're 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 actually accepting mediocrity. I know you're saying we've created chances, but we're 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 trying to take the positives. I know it's not. I'm not accepting it. No, I know, but yeah, no, but no, I know. But it's we've through now, now, right? When we had we had typically. Well, we need to win every game. You know what it's like. It's 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 Celtic. We need to win every single game. And for me, to sit here and go, oh yeah, it was great. We we got a now, now. I know, I know what you boys are saying, but for me, that's no good enough. No, I'm not saying. I know you're not. It's no good enough, uh, and it's no being good enough. That eight draws, it's ah. no that's no acceptable right for for us. The other thing I would say is everything that could have went wrong this season <laughs> has gone wrong. You know, just trailing back to marginal decisions that we've made as as a club, big decisions that we've made, i.e., travelling during restricted <laughs> travel to um, to the other side of the world. So, you know, it's it's just it's just one of them, isn't it? Just one of them. It's just a write off. Yeah, another thing I want to touch on. So it was confirmed this week that the Scottish Cup will indeed take place this season. So I think it's due to kickstart again in April and the final will be played on the 22nd of May. How important do you think that is that Celtic will have a chance to, I don't know, restore some pride and ultimately retain a trophy they've won for the last four seasons? Very, very in my mind. You know, that's to me, that's where the focus is now. Yeah, and I think for John Kennedy, whether he remains part of any sort of management structure next year, he will look at that and say, well, this is my chance as Celtic manager at this moment in time to go and pick up some silverware for a club he has dedicated his whole life to. Now, again, I'm not falling down that sentimentality trap because, you know, we've seen where that can lead us. But I think he will really have the, you know, the bit between the teeth to say, OK, it, it will also, it should give the players something to, to train and play for because if we just had these six remaining league games of the season or, or five, six, whatever it is, it would be very hard to motivate knowing that you're just coasting in. Now there's actually something to play for. So now guys will say, well, I want to make sure I'm in the team for the Scottish. I want to make sure I'm at Hamden on 22nd of May and at least gives them something to to focus on. And it also puts a marker down. So if you manage to beat Rangers in some of the, the two remaining league games or in the Cup, 
that sets a tone and it gives the players a chance for redemption, doesn't it? Our, our season starts against Rangers like in two weeks' time. That's that's when we'll see. That's when you're right. You know, we put a marker down, but the Scottish is massive. That's all we've got. That is all we've got to to focus on, and that is that should be the main driver. That getting through. I mean, obviously, we'll be highly successful the last four year in the Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. But for me, that is the focal point of the season now. That league, the league's obviously gone, but that for me is the main driver, and which should be. And as I mean, for Kennedy, talk about set, like obviously the sentimentality of it. For Kennedy, that that is his big chance to put a marker down for himself as a as his own man, but also put a marker down for for the se- next the next season as well. Yeah. Uh, it's massive. It's a chance to write your name in history. Oh, and I know everybody's been going on about ten in a row, but anybody knows me. Knows I've been going on about five in a row, five Scottish Cups in a row. I've not really been caring about the league. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. No. I've yet to hear that from you, man, from no. the, the, the show. I, I was well. always off, off, off camera. Uh, but yeah, oh, I think it's about the hell this I mean, there, there was an article come out during the week, I think it was in the Scotsman, where the journalist was effectively suggesting that Celtic will be somehow running scared or, or disappointed that the Scottish Cup is going ahead. And I just think that's ludicrous. Yeah, we've had a shocking season and all that stuff. It's our Scottish Cup. We've won it more times than anybody else. We've won it the last four well, in a row. You're Celtino. always fired up. But why, why should we be scared of that? You know, on our day, we can beat any team in Scotland and beyond. So I, I just did not get that at all. And I just thought it was another one of those types of articles that we've seen so in. much. Just, just putting the boot in. Do you That's know what? what if you can't sink the boot in, is now then when can ah, you? So right. go for you need go to for broke. Yeah. Take it. So suck up and accept that we'll have loads of those articles in the weeks although, ahead. Although Tino's come back fighting. I would say I like this. Tino, Tino, Tino's given us a swing in here. He's given us a new learning motivational speech. There's only so far that'll take it's you. only short term <laughs> that, that'll, so that'll see you for the next couple of episodes <laughs> then it'll start to tail off and we'll need to get one of you guys to step in and in all seriousness though I, absolutely trophy there to play for and I think I, I, I do believe it will have the players fired up strongly to end the season and, and some of these boys are, they know they know they're believing next year they're, there's going to be massive changes it's their time it's a, a bit of a legacy they can leave, they can leave their marker down um, some guys like even like Browns obviously his playing career's coming to an end stuff like that he'll, he'll want to win that he'll want to win that I mean it could very probably if Celtic do manage to make it to a Scottish Cup final there could be several guys in that starting lineup that could be their last game for Celtic it could be Scott Browns could be Ayers could be Edwards maybe a Christie for example yeah and it could be a, a very big occasion just on Edward, so you know, it seems inevitable that he will move on. The rumours doing the rounds this week are that Brendan Rodgers has come back in from and figures of around about 14, 15 million. It'd be very, very disappointing to lose him for that kind of money, wouldn't it? Even though he's only got 12 months left of the deal. Just uh, like obviously Rodgers has left him for he's, he's left him for two years. And I, I honestly, I, Edward's stocks obviously came down from last year where he was to this year. I mean, 15 million for, for a player of that calibre, I, I honestly think that's it's a bit of an insult for me. It honestly is. It's a bit of, you think about your, your Kieran Tien, he's gone for 25 Edward on his day when he when he can when he can be bothered, right? And there's arguments for that this season. That's 14 million is is not on, man. The guy the guy's a he's a quality player. And honestly, he will go on to be like like your Dumbellies with off of Atletico. That 14 million, 15 million is I just it's, it's an absolute. It's, I, like, I know Miff's got a bit of oh, we've all got a bit of an issue with, with Rogers, and you can say what you want, but that's just another kick in the. The ghoulies in it really If he comes back in 15 million for, for that I yeah. wonder if it's just A bit of gamesmanship And it's the opening But Arsenal done the same With Tierney They offered pennies And then they upped it I believe The 15 million figure Was more to do with The structure of the deal Because I think Celtic Were hedging their bets That he would then Subsequently go for a lot more I think they were looking For a bigger chunk Of the sale on fee that, yeah, was, that was the theory Behind why it was only 15 million up, up front to the start But re- regardless of that I think as a message Again the perception to the fans is that we would be wanting more for what is arguably our, our top asset and I do think on form he's just 
completely different class. Yeah, We've seen flashes this season, and he still managed to be top goal scorer in the league. So yeah. you know you, you need you need to commend him for that. But you also need to remember whilst he's been out of form for parts this season, he was also ill as well. And I, I do think the, the way that he played last year, you know, going to games and, and watching him was an absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm. He, he, he in full flow. He's a class act, absolute yeah. class act. I don't think it was, you know, beyond the realms of possibility to think that somebody would would and should pay us thirty million at one point, Fred. Well, that's just why it feels so disappointing. But you know what? It's March, and there's people talking about done deals. There's no windows to be spoken of, and there's no deals doing the rounds right now. But papers need headlines, and that's what's coming out just now. But uh, yeah, it remains to be seen what it'll go for. But fourteen, fifteen million just seems derisory for a guy who's yep. destined for the top. So as we start to wrap things up, lads, on a <laughs> tough weekend, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, do you have any final thought, thoughts? Thank you. I'll come to you first. For me, we just need something. We just need something. I know there's the, the silence is absolutely deafening. Community Celtic and Kennedy's in doing a doing a job. For still going back to what I said last week, it's, it's very much still this limbo, under underwhelmed limbo period. And I know you can't like Celtic can't come and go. I'm talking to this person. I'm talking to that person. That's obviously the way we do business. But I just need I just need something. To, I need some hope. That's what I need. I need I need a wee snippet of something to feed off and. Starting to get hopeful for next season, and I want to see that sooner rather than later. So it sounds like you just need a cuddle. I do, I do. Honestly, I, I could really no, go. Okay. I could really go with a cuddle. Um, that, that 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 would be amazing. But post COVID, make your first on the list. Uh, thanks, mate. Uh, my thought about yourself. The, the word of the week is rebuild. I'm very excited about the rebuild. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward. So so you can do. It's all you can do. It's a painful. It's a painful time. You, you know, you don't follow your team to watch them get beat. You follow them to watch them win. We've been lucky enough to enjoy the success. It's a it's a kind of sobering uh, weekend indeed. But we can only look forward. We can only hope that the players and the management and the board at Celtic react to this in a positive way, like they did previously when we, when we experienced disappointment at the hands of Rangers in the, the, the semi-final defeat. React in the right way and the rebuild takes care of itself. Yeah, I think so as it is just now. I think had anyone offered us the last 10 years of success, you'd absolutely have their hand off for it and, and no doubt. So the Scottish Premiership title has finally been conceded in a season where Celtic have fallen well short of the high standards they had set for themselves in recent times. John Kennedy will continue as interim manager for now, but will we hear anything more in the week ahead regarding a more permanent appointment of a head coach or the all-important director of football? My thanks as always to Miff and to Sinke for joining me on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange, and finally our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again next time. Podcast Network.